I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to The Trader, a traitor's podcast. My name is Matthew and I'm a writer, reality competition TV fanatic and a 100% faithful. Promise. The Trader is a deep dive into each episode of the TV show filled with fakery, falsehoods and facades, The Traitors. Beginning with the most recent US version of the show, streaming now on Peacock and BBC. What an episode I have for you ahead. Not only will I be dissecting episode 8 of The Traitors US, but after my deep dive, I have the most fun and fascinating interview with Amanda Clark, the faithful who was forced to leave in episode 6. Amanda talked to me about so many behind-the-scenes aspects of the show, and she answered all of the questions you sent me on social media. So listen up for your shout-out. Before we get there, there are some pretty big traitors announcements in today's TT News. First up, a whole new version of the traitors has arrived. Traitors España wrapped filming last summer in a castle in Spain. This version features 18 celebrity contestants and is hosted by actor and director Sergio Peris Mencheta, who we've seen in films such as Rambo First Blood and Resident Evil Afterlife. Furthermore, HBO Max have commissioned the series and they will be streaming it from Friday the 3rd of February. Peacock have also announced not only a reunion special of The Traitors US, hosted by Andy Cohen, but also that the show will be returning for a second season officially. The season one reunion will be on TV on February the 8th on Peacock, and filming of season two will begin later this year. I guess all this news of new seasons adds a whole bunch more episodes to The Trader podcast. As well as my chat with Amanda from The Traitors, 
I'm also super excited to be talking to actual traitor Christian De La Torre in the next couple of days. So this is your chance to ask him your burning questions. You can DM me or send me an email and I'll give you those details at the end of the podcast. I'll be playing the podcast game The Trader Traitor later in this episode when I put your questions to Gone Too Soon contestant Amanda Clark. For now though, let's get into episode 8 of The Traitors US. We pick up from our cliffhanger at the end of episode 7 when the traitors are discussing who they are going to recruit as requested by Alan. They think about each one of the players. They think Andy will say no if they ask. Quentin will say no. Kate, no point in asking her to be a traitor. They need her to continue to be an amazing shield. And eventually they land on Ari. Now, Suri says that he is inconsequential. Ouch. Poor Ari. So that's who they make their decision on. They send him his letter to recruit him as a traitor. We see Ari reading the letter and he is gagged. He cannot believe what's happening. He starts to question things. He doesn't know if he can betray the faithfuls, but he does recognise that being a traitor is an advantage. And that's something that I'll be talking to Amanda about later on. So we cut from Ari. We don't know what his decision is. We go back to the traitors. Christian and Sari are waiting. We hear footsteps. We hear a heartbeat thumping. They have their hoods down. Someone enters with a hood. Hmm, who could it be? They take up their hoods and the reaction is absolutely priceless. It is such a brilliant moment. These are the bits that make this programme. Christian looks even more surprised than Ari. And he knew that it was going to be Ari walking in the door. It's so fascinating seeing the choices that people make under pressure and seeing how devious people are willing to be even when you least expect it. Because everybody thinks that Ari's such a great guy and he's so friendly and everybody trusts him. And given the option, he's taken the chance to be a traitor straight away. And he immediately starts talking tactics. Within moments, he says, Rachel trusts me. So he's already in on it. He's figuring out who can we get rid of, who should we keep around. So he's a, he's a traitor already. He's, he's been flipped. What I really need is a psychologist to guest on this podcast. I need a psychologist to discuss these things with me. So Alan tells us there will be no murder tonight and we move straight to breakfast. At breakfast, Kate is the first to walk in, looks around, asks, did I win? Have they all left? Can I lock this? She realises, of course, what why she's here. She knows that she's a shield and that she won't be murdered because she's too good to keep around. As more people filter in, we start having speculations about who's going to be murdered tonight. Christian starts sort of fake theorising about who would be a traitor with Cody because so far Cody is the only traitor that they've actually found. Kate then drops into conversation this very interesting thing that Rachel said. Apparently, when Kate criticised the traitors and said that they were greedy liars. Rachel got very defensive and said it's just a game. And everybody seems to be really shocked by this, particularly Andy, who stops like mid forks full of breakfast. Quentin also has this theory that Kate and Rachel's arguing is just all fake and actually maybe they're both the traitors and they're just pretending to hate one another. But Quentin, they're, they're not pretending, they really do hate each other. Ari walks in second last which makes the others think, oh, Stephanie has been murdered. Until 
she knocks on the door and walks in. And it becomes clear nobody's been murdered and nobody knows why. Well, I mean, the traitors know why, but nobody else knows why. The traitors have to pretend. Now, this is Ari's first morning as a traitor. And, I mean, he's doing a pretty good job. He's, he's always quite sort of quiet and subdued, I reckon. But he tells us in his interview that he is in awe of Christian and Sari. He's watching how they behave and seeing it from a totally different perspective for the first time. And he can't believe how good they are at it. Of course, two seconds later, Christian drops this bombshell. He announces in front of everybody that the traitors tried to recruit him last night and he said no. Now, Sari and Ari are dumbfounded at this. They had no idea he was going to pull this crazy shit. This is what I live for. Traitors doing insane, mad stuff like this that nobody's expecting. Now, it immediately does not go down well. Stephanie and Rachel are instantly discussing how weird this is and they are incredibly suspicious of them. And they soon confide in Ari about this as well. So we move from breakfast, we start to hear some discussions around the house. Andy is starting to become suspicious of Rachel and tells Sari this. But Sari doesn't want this because she thinks that Rachel's an ally. Sari doesn't want to lose Rachel. She needs she needs people on her side to protect her. So Sari immediately tells Rachel that Andy is becoming suspicious of her. Rachel and Andy then talk. Rachel's trying to convince Andy that she's a faithful. Andy is totally bamboozled, thinks that their friendships are blinding them, doesn't know what to think at this point. From here, we move to the mission of the episode, which is the escape cabin. It's basically an escape room meets I'm a Celebrity. Alan explains that there is $35,000 up for grabs as well as an armory pass again. After he describes the mission sort of vaguely, giving them all the creeps and sends them off into the woods, I think we, we have the most iconic line of dialogue from Kate throughout the entire series. Rachel says, I actually filmed a horror movie in a remote cabin in the woods. Kate, was it called your honeymoon? I have watched this about 10 times and laughed every single time. Quentin then asks Kate to please actually take part this time because no one has forgotten her throwing away the barrels of money in the barrel mission. We head into the escape room. I'm into the escape room aspect of it. I like an escape room. I'm not into the bug aspect. I don't do I'm a celebrity. I don't get it. It's weird. It's gross. It's dumb. As the players are split up into two teams and head into the escape cabins, we realise they figure out they have to count different coloured rats. Rats? Not mice. They keep calling them mice. Um, they, they're big mice, but that's because the rats. I think the rats are cute. Uh, they're not like mangy street rats. They're like white and rabbit-like. Surrey, for the first time, has... A meltdown in this task. She is covered in maggots and is screaming, which I'm really surprised at because I don't know Sari that well, but I know that she was on several series of Survivor in the States. So I thought she was used to like physical tasks and, you know, nature and stuff, but she is not enjoying this. And with her interview, she says that this is the worst day of her life. Possibly an exaggeration, but quite surprising. Andy is also utterly freaking out as well. Rachel is a really sweet team member at this moment. She starts telling Andy, like, you've got it. That's why we're a team. And it's it's actually a, a nice touching moment to see Rachel, you know, helping Andy out here. 
After counting rats, they also have to stick their heads in tanks of bugs and creatures to find codes for locks. It's all pretty nuts. In the end, both teams win, they find their way out of the cabin, but it comes down to who's fastest. Whichever team is fastest is going to win the armoury prize, and Alan announces that the winning team is the green team, comprised of Stephanie, Rachel, Ari and Andy. At this point, the total prize fund is $168,800. Right after the mission, the tension begins to increase. We're in the car, we're heading back to the castle, the green team start to discuss who they're going to vote for tonight. They bring up Christian and Ari looks so uncomfortable, but this is the kind of thing he's going to have to get used to. It starts to become clear that the vote is probably going to come down to either Kate or Rachel tonight. Ari and Christian know they should vote for Rachel, and that's what they're discussing in the house when Rachel walks into the room at the worst possible moment, and they have to quickly change subjects and pretend that they were talking about Kate. And they convince her she's safe with them, they're going for Kate tonight. We also see Andy and Sari talk, and as still Andy is so conflicted, Andy doesn't know should they vote for their friend Rachel. I notice that we don't really see Kate ever discussing votes much these days. I wonder if that's because she doesn't really have any friends left, so possibly no one wants to talk to Kate that much. And even if they do, we know what Kate's going to say every day, all day. It's Rachel. She hates her. She thinks she's a traitor. We move on to the armory and what is going on? Ari wins the shield for the third time in a row. How is this happening? If you listened to episode 7, my guest Lindsay described him as the shield king. The shield king he is. We then swiftly move on to the climax of the episode and what a climax it is. We're at the round table. Now, I reckon smaller numbers of players equals higher tension. It's these final episodes that are the best. We know the players better, they will know one another better, and the idea that they're being lied to by the people that they've been around all day for more days is even worse. No one wants to begin the discussion tonight until dependable Kate finally speaks up and simply says, Rachel, I'm voting for you tonight because I think you're a traitor. Rachel basically echoes the same back at her. Kate then clarifies that she reckons, well, Rachel has been in Big Brother and she thinks Rachel's quite cutthroat because she's played games like this before where she has to be very strategic. Stephanie then steps in in defence of Rachel and points out that Kate has voted for strange people along the way, including not voting for Cody at his banishment, so that makes her look a bit shifty. Andy also steps in and casts doubt on their friend Rachel. And again, Andy is obviously just finding this such a struggle and doesn't know what to think and doesn't know who to trust and doesn't know what to say. The attention then really just begins to slide towards Rachel from everybody and it seems inevitable that she is probably going to be banished tonight. Alan even has to get quite strict at this point after their discussions and it's time to vote. Rachel continues to talk and he reminds her the time for talk is over. Again, this is something that I discussed with Amanda in my interview right after this. Now the music is building to such a crescendo during the name writing, I was sure the episode was going to end right then without revealing the result. And that's the genius of the production of The Traitors. I have watched this more than once and I still feel anxious. I rewatched it before recording this podcast to remind myself of everything. 
and I ended up just watching the entire round table all the way through, no skips, because it's so intense. Rachel is the first player I've seen continue to argue during the voting. She keeps defending herself. She's really getting emotional. She even starts swearing and they have to bleep her. Kate <laughs> votes for Rachel um, and Kate's vote is kind of the deciding vote. At that point, there's no turning back. And she tells Rachel, if I'm incorrect, I'm okay with it because I find you really offensive. So the rivalry, the bitter rivalry is alive until the bitter end. Rachel is then banished with every vote except one from Stephanie and her exit is really furious and really quite difficult to watch. I think it's so uncomfortable. After Rachel's banishment, suspicions then turn towards Christian. Now that they realise they still only have ever found one traitor and that was Cody. Kate suspects Christian and she says this in front of Ari which again puts him in a really awkward position. Kate then says the same thing to Sari separately and at this point it looks like the traitors might have to do to Christian what they did to Cody. They might have to turn on their own. Even Stephanie starts to voice her opinions about Christian. She thinks the recruitment story at breakfast was really weird. This recruitment gambit from Christian does not seem to have paid off at all. In fact, it's been a total disaster. And this is where the episode ends. My overall thoughts on episode 8 are that it was an incredibly intense round table. It's intense because Rachel gets so emotional and so furious, understandably, and you would be at this point in the game. You've made it so far, you're almost at the end, and then everyone except one person around the table turn on you, even the people that you thought were your friends. It must be so incredibly frustrating to have everyone accuse you of something that you know you're not guilty of. And she's finding it really difficult to separate the game from reality. Again, it would be. We're also left with this amazing setup now where almost 50% of the remaining players are traitors. So who are the faithfuls going to look to now? Well, to help delve even deeper into what this must all feel like, it's time for our super duper main event. A couple of days ago, I spoke to the absolutely lovely Amanda Clark about all things traitors, from her application process for the show, to her experiences on set, and of course, why she had to leave. I put all of your questions from social media to her too, so thank you for those. Let's go ahead and listen to everything she had to say. I'll add in a spoiler warning here too. The first half of our interview is pretty spoiler free, but when you hear this sound, that means there are spoilers coming for the rest of the season. So if you haven't seen the final couple of episodes of The Traitors US, you might want to skip that part of the interview. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Amanda, welcome to the Tradar Podcast. How are you? Hi, good morning. I am so excited, Matthew. I am doing so well, and I can't wait to see how much fun we're going to have today. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today. Now, I'm wondering if you could paint the listeners a picture. See, right now, I'm in Scotland. It's a dark, (laughs) cold, rainy evening. Where do we find you right now? So right now I I live in like South Central Pennsylvania. It's like 50 degrees outside and it's actually snowing a little bit, just a little a little light dusting. So it's beautiful outside. Can I just say is your accent like the typical Scottish accent cuz all I really have heard before is Alan and his is a lot heavier than yours. So is he faking it the whole time or this is a big discussion point amongst Scottish viewers. I don't have a particularly strong accent. I think Alan probably also doesn't normally have a particularly strong accent. He's definitely, okay. I think he hammed it up a bit for you guys. Um, okay. But that's okay. He's a theatrical person. He he is. He <laughs> is. I just, I'll never forget. He, today does. Today <laughs> And murder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We would always we would be running around the castle being like near deer because we couldn't pronounce it the way. So we were all like near deer, near deer. <laughs> I'm I'm glad you're as fascinated by Alan's accent as much as we all are. Oh my gosh, yes. I loved it. And his eyebrows. He has great eyebrows. <laughs> he does. He does. Uh, so before I ask any more questions, Amanda, I want to introduce you to the game that we play on the Tradar called the Tradar Traitor. Our goal throughout the interview from here on in is to tell one lie to one another. The lie has to be a fabrication, a made up fact, a made up story. It can't just be a fake opinion, like saying you hated Scotland and found everyone unfriendly when actually the truth is you loved it and found us all charming. At the end of the interview, we will then put our traitor hunting skills to the test and decide what we thought the other person's lie was. How does that sound? Oh my gosh, I love this. And what's really funny about it is part of casting was to do something similar to this. And I will say that I beat the casting directors at this game before. So I'm interested to see who wins. Our game starts from this moment on. We're in it. All right. So we're in the castle. It's happening. (laughs) We're in the castle. I guess one of the first broad questions that comes to mind is to ask you how life has been since the traitors. Although I realize that's kind of a two-parter question because on one hand, you filmed it a lot longer ago than we saw it. So maybe that's yeah. two questions. You know, how how's life been since filming and how has life been since it's been broadcast? So how life has been since filming um, up until the premiere was high anxiety I would say we I'm in a group chat with all of the new faces uh, of the cast and we were bouncing our anxieties off of each other every single day like oh do you remember whenever I said this and did that and 
as we were moving further and further from filming, we started to relax a little bit. And then whenever we actually watched it, we're like, what were we all, you know, worried about, you know, like <laughs> it, it was, it was so interesting. I, I've said that the drama after the show is more interesting than the drama on the show. And they should really do a series on, on the drama post filming, because I swear it's way more interesting. Okay. Like a behind the scenes. Yes. Like yeah. just like, what everybody goes through in a day and just, you know, all the anxieties that they have. And since the show has aired, I mean, it's been nothing, mostly nothing but positives. And to be honest, I feel like life is kind of settling back and normalizing. When I when I described the game that we are going to play, you said that that was part of the casting process. So I wonder Correct. if you could maybe just tell us a bit more about how you found out about it. How did you get involved? Mm -hmm. What What was that process? I I apply I never really watched reality TV. I'm just gonna be forthright. <laughs> I never really watched reality TV. I was working um during COVID heavily. And sometimes I was working up to 72 hours a week. So I didn't really have time uh -oh. for TV. And I ended up getting sick with COVID. And this is back whenever you had to quarantine for 14 days. And I was like, oh my gosh, what am I gonna do for 14 days in my house? Like that's boring, right? So I watched a circle on Netflix and Studio Lambert is the one who casts for the circle and they help produce it. And I became like obsessed with the circle. I wanted to know everything about everybody, everything about Studio Lambert. Whenever I went to their website, they were casting for the traders. And I was like, oh, this will be, you know, something fun to do for the day. I have COVID, I have nothing else to do. I'm in my pajamas, right? They're never gonna call me. And two weeks later, Matthew, I get a call. <laughs> I was sitting at work and I was like, this cannot be happening, right? Like, how is this real life? Like I did this kind of like just to fill some boredom that I had and it snowballed into me actually getting on the show which is amazing <laughs> yeah after that call I mean was was there were there different stages next how quickly did it all happen um so it actually was like a six to seven month process for me of just like meeting with the crew and doing like auditions or like interviews over zoom just like this and playing two truths and a lie and telling people about your life and what would make you good as a traitor what would make you good as a faithful and just kind of breaking down like how your strategy would be for this game that I literally, I had never heard of like werewolf or Hitler or anything like that. So I was like, just, I, I watched so many YouTube videos. I was watching people play it on YouTube just so I would have like an understanding of how the game works. And I was like, I'm never going to get on this show. I, I don't even know how it works. And <laughs> I got the call. I'm going to Scotland. I was like, this is, I can't believe this is my life. <laughs> and it's, it's so funny. You say you didn't really watch reality TV because I, no. I've had a couple of guests on the podcast who lo love the traitors, but said the same thing. They said they, they didn't really watch big brother or reality TV before this, but there's something about this show that completely hooked them. So yes. it, it's, it's funny. It's got such a reach to people who didn't watch this kind of thing before. It's because I think it's because it brings everything that you would ever want in a TV show, in a reality TV show specifically, all together. Like you have like the murder mystery. And I mean, who doesn't love like a true crime a <laughs> yeah. show, podcast, like anything like they br it brings that aspect. You have the celebrities that people already know and love. You have these new faces and 
I think it just shows that people love murder mysteries and the challenges were really interesting. We've never seen anything like that before. So I think that the creators just did an excellent job at promoting the show and bringing so many positive things together in one amazing cinematic show. So you found out that you were in. When did filming actually take place? So filming took place in... In May, like I would say the first few weeks of May, I was in Scotland at the end of April, just I got there early and there was, you know, still more interviewing processes going on, just like behind the scenes, you know, figuring out who's going to be on the cast. So I was there a little bit longer than some other people. I I spoke about this on a previous episode of the podcast. I saw Alan coming in August last year at the Edinburgh International Festival. He, okay. he was doing this sort of cabaret show. Um, I'd never seen him. Well, I had seen him do Macbeth years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was. It, it's only recently occurred to me, oh, he must have been filming The Traitors. I couldn't figure out if it was before mm-hmm. or after he was in Edinburgh, but I guess now it was before that. So mm-hmm. uh, I saw him in Edinburgh after that. I tried to get a selfie with him afterwards, but he just said no and... Oh, did he say no? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So was that your first time in Scotland? It was my first time in Scotland. It was my first time um, ever being in the United Kingdom. And I was was so excited because I've been telling my Nana since I was a little girl that I was going to go to the United Kingdom by myself. Like that was like one of my goals in life. And that I was going to be on TV. I've been saying, I've been speaking this into existence for like 15 years. Okay. And the shock on her face whenever I told her that I was getting, going to be on the show and I was going to the UK to be on TV, she was like, I can't believe this is really happening. You've been <laughs> talking about this since you're like 13. Yeah. You manifested it. I mean, that's, that's how I'm feeling. I manifested it. And I think so. I was just in shock. I was like, I, I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> And did your, what were your first impressions of Scotland? Did they align with your expectations? They blew me away. First of all, the, oh, what is it called? Those fields of yellow flowers. Do you know what I'm talking uh, about? Like the rapeseed flowers? Yes, yeah, the rapeseed. Well, I was just, there, there's nothing like that here, at least in Pennsylvania. So I was just in awe and I was like, I was more upset that I didn't have my phone that I could take pictures. So I just had to like do little, you know, snapshots in my mind and hopefully I'll remember. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the blackface sheep, I've never yeah. seen a blackface sheep before. And I know that's something that Michael had said too, like not something that you would find in Pennsylvania or Kentucky. So it was just, it was beautiful. And I loved how we had to stop and like let the sheep go across, <laughs> across the road. It was just a whole different experience. Yeah. And the food is amazing. Oh, well, that's possibly an unpopular opinion, but I'm glad that you said that. (laughs) No, the food is... I didn't know... Oh, my gosh. I didn't know that creamer wasn't a thing in the UK. Yeah, no. So I have not used creamer since I've come home because they educated me on how bad it is for your body. So I feel like, you know... I'm basically like a health guru now. Since <laughs> I think you're the first person to say they've left Scotland a health guru. <laughs> <laughs> no, the food was so good. Okay, well that's good. I'm I'm glad you had a good culinary experience. And another question related to that that I I see people asking all the time online and talking about is and you're you you may be about to break the television illusion here. Did you stay in the castle? Oh my goodness. Everyone's been asking <laughs> on my Instagram and I probably get like 30 questions of, did we stay in the castle? 
So my best answer to this is Alan did an interview where he kind of like spoiled it for everybody and said that we did not stay in the castle. I'm going to tell you that we did stay in the castle. Um, But Alan's probably, (laughs) uh, yeah, it doesn't have the same paperwork that I do. Okay. That's okay. We'll go with Alan. Um, Mm -hmm. Speaking of Alan, how how was he to be around? How did you get on with him? What was that like? I absolutely loved Alan. So I know Alan from Spy Kids. Like who who hasn't watched Spy Kids? So it was, first off, he looks like he hasn't aged a single day since the day he filmed Spy Kids. And that was like 20 years ago. And he is so funny. Like there's so much that that the edit doesn't show, right? Mm -hmm. And he just, he has like the best one-liners He's so funny. He's so respectful. And I absolutely loved it. I got along with him really, really well. We would all like, he would just banter with us and made us feel a little less, you know, murderous. (laughs) (laughs) So my next question is about the game itself and about filming. Was the round table as intense to participate in as it is to watch? I think it was more intense to participate in. Our round tables were so much longer than what you get than what you see there were some cutthroat things happening that you know don't make the edit that made it even even more like there were there were times where like i was like i can't even believe like people are saying this to each other like it's just a game you know and it made me feel so uncomfortable especially the first few episodes because i'd never been on tv before and i was like is this how it is? Like, are we really going to be like mean girls, you know? And um, you could just cut the tension with a knife. That's how intense it is. Yeah. And what you see on TV, I understand like it feels intense. I was on the edge of my seat watching it and I lived it. But (laughs) I sweat so bad. I probably, I had like armpit sweats. (laughs) just like pouring out because I was so intimidated by the first few round tables. Right anybody to play that game like that's what fascinates me about the traitors is how it i I, you can correct me if i'm wrong i i guess that it just psychologically messes with you and makes you second guess everything and everyone i mean is that what it's like i felt like i felt like i truly didn't know who the traitors were until we sat at the round table like I could have gone all day being like, so-and-so's a traitor. And then whenever we got to the round table, just like listening to what everybody had to say, I was like, okay, so maybe they're not. And maybe this person is, or it was at the round table. I feel like that's where you could really sense who were faithful because just how people like were shaking in their voice. Like whenever we banished Kyle, like I knew that he wasn't a traitor just the way he was defending himself. But mm. like, it's so hard because by then, like everybody's made their choice. Another question connected to that. Now, this question came up in the last episode of the podcast. My guest, Lindsay, and I were talking about episode seven and we both wondered, are you told to sort of stop speaking during the voting? Because it, the impression on TV is that when people turn over the names they've written down, People don't tend to keep defending themselves at that point. It seems a lot quieter. Is that kind Mm -hmm. of a rule that's imposed on you? Like, don't speak at this point? Or is that just Uh, naturally that everybody is quiet? So we were just given kind of like a timeline. Like this is, you know, say it now and everybody's going to, you know, have to speak. And that's something that I really respected because like the first round table, like people kind of were talking over each other and like, 
the bigger personalities kind of you know, over yeah. overpowered the new faces. So, you know, they really did a great job at like giving everyone an opportunity to speak. But whenever it's time to vote, like we're done. So I think it's a mixture of both. Yeah. And I've noticed a couple of times you've mentioned like the new faces. Do you mean people who hadn't been on like a reality show before? Yes. So we've been called so many things. Um, <laughs> we've been called peasants. We've been called the civilians. We've been called the normies by Reza called us the normies, which, you know, at first I think a few of us were kind of like, oh, the normies. And we're like, oh, now we're just embracing it. Like we're the normies. <laughs> That's okay. Um, but I think new faces is how we would prefer to be, you know, addressed because okay. You know, we're we're fun, we're new faces, and hopefully you're gonna see us again. So Yeah. I think that's... it's just like a nicer way of of saying like peasants, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nicer term. Well the yeah. thing is though, I guess for, for people watching in the UK, we we don't recognize most of the contestants anyway. Um okay. you know, most of the reality shows that people had been on aren't that well known in, in the UK, mm -hmm. I wouldn't say. So most people for for me were not really known i get i knew ryan lochte because mm -hmm. he's an olympian during casting did you know that it would be sort of this half celebrity thing mm -mm. not at all so i didn't know that there was going to be celebrities until we pulled up on the train because it okay. was like where's the other <laughs> half of the cast like where and then everybody started not everybody but a lot of people started kind of like freaking out and screaming and I see all these beautiful like well-dressed people they all you know are fabulous looking and I'm like who I don't know if I can swear on this podcast so I was like who the fuck are these people you know, <laughs> you know? and um Michael was sitting next like near me like across the aisle on the train and he was having a fangirl moment <laughs> he was squealing and he was like oh you know and he loves stephanie he loves rachel so i mean he had to give me like a like a one minute like intro to everybody and somebody had said about ryan lochte and i remembered his name from the olympics so he was the only person i was familiar with but i got him in re confused because i didn't actually know what ryan lochte looked like outside of a speedo <laughs> so <I was> like... <laughs> that's understandable this this next question involves me me giving a spoiler maybe i shouldn't do this have you seen the uk traitors i actually have not seen the uk traitors but i talked to a few of the uk cast uh ryan in particular and i i think that he wouldn't mind if i shared that information but we talk pretty much every single day so i already know so much of what happened on the uk version but i actually haven't watched it for myself and i obviously know who wins too so uh the end of the UK version of the traitors and the final episode, a traitor, Kieran, is banished. And he makes it very clear as he's leaving and he stands in the circle of truth. He gives the other players a very big and obvious hint about who the remaining traitor is. Oh my gosh, so I've heard about this. Tell me more. He, I mean, what do you want me to? Yes. Okay. He... It's a shame because Kieran was a really, really late recruit. I think he only got recruited one episode before. Mm -hmm. And then we're down to like the final five people. They mm -hmm. vote him out. And they're, they're right, he is a traitor. But the, the traitor who recruited him turned on him and sort of betrayed him and also voted him out. Was this wealth? Yes. So Kieran 
gives lots of sort of head nods and glances towards Wilf and uses the phrase, I'm giving you a parting gift. And and basically writes Wilf's name down and keeps looking at him. He's basically saying to the other players, Wilf is a traitor, I'm looking at him right now. And some people thought that was like cheating and it was unfair <laughs> that he kind of ratted him out. So obviously some people just thought it made it great TV and it made it mm -hmm. such a great, exciting climax. What I guess I wanted to ask you, because you'll know, what safeguards are there to stop traitors just ruining the game at any point? Like, what's to stop a traitor either just telling everybody, oh, it's me, or when they're when they're banished, saying, oh, by the way, here's all the other traitors. Is there mm -hmm. anything to stop people from doing that? So I don't think that they're... I mean, people are going to make their own decisions. They're adults, you know, they're going to make their own choices. So the only real safeguard is just that that person has the integrity of the show in their in mind. Really, that's the only thing is keeping the integrity of the show and not letting it get personal like that. Yeah. Um, now, I didn't watch it, so maybe I'm misunderstanding, but it sounds like Kieran, you know, felt some type of way about the backstabbing, yeah. which I mean... If that much money is on the line, I get it. But ultimately, you know, it is just a game and people are trying to um, keep that integrity of the game. And I think that's really important. Like, I wouldn't want to win um, just because somebody told me. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know how that played out with Wilf. I don't know if he was like the last trader, but I, I know that he ended up getting getting voted out. So I could I've heard that, you know, people people have thought that, you know, that was a little across the line, like you said, like almost cheating. But yeah. Um, I didn't know the actual situation until okay. just now. And I mean, yeah, I would say that's a little, <laughs> that's on the line. Yeah. So, I mean, essentially there, there's not really anything stopping traders no. from doing that at any point. No. It's, you're, it's like, you know, the, the rule is that, you know, traders can't tell on traders, you know, um, just like I said, just for the integrity of the game, but like people are adults and they have emotions and they're going to just say whatever they want to say, just as Kieran did, which I have a lot of respect for Kieran. I watched the clip of his like comeback with Amos and I loved it. You know, it was like a great moment, but you know, we make mistakes and it's, I don't know if it was like a slip or in the heat of the moment, but yeah, it's just, it's us to police ourselves yeah. and not tell anybody. Now, whether or not there's like repercussions like on the back end, I, I don't know about that just because I, I didn't get myself in any of those situations, but. That mm -hmm. makes sense. In retrospect, where when you voted at the round table, were you voting based on your own instinct and intuition and ideas, or did you feel you had to vote tactically or, or with? The idea of strength and numbers in mind? Did you vote because other people voted a certain way? Definitely in the beginning, you have to vote tactically because you want to be there the next day. And so voting with the group is safer. And I think that people from the outside looking in, it's really easy for people to say, well, why did you vote with the group? And why didn't you do this? And why didn't you do that? But as we saw with Avra, you know, once you started to go against the grain, especially if you were a more quiet person, it made you a target for the traders to frame other players. And we were all there for the money, honey. So if we could have just sat back and voted with the group and, you know, got halfway through the show, then that's one step closer to the money. Um, I think that it would it got easier as time went on and the numbers dwindled to um to vote against the group. But 
to just kind of like go out on your own and like like if I would have voted for like Suri or Cody like that would have made me like an instant target and anybody who would have you know challenged me the traders probably would have killed me off just to frame them so it was just to protect myself <laughs> and you don't see a lot of that and like you don't get to see a lot of that with like the edit and that's like the one thing I'm disappointed about is because like there was so much going on like there was so much strategy and alliances that you don't get to see so much I guess I, there's a, there's an obvious question I haven't asked you. Did you want to be a traitor? Were you disappointed that you weren't a traitor or were oh you happy? Gosh. Oh, no, I was so disappointed. I wanted to be a traitor so bad. I was like, I feel like I was fighting to be a traitor. Like, I was like, please don't be a traitor. <laughs> In my first MIV, I was like, I would be such a good traitor. But, you know, they chose who they chose. Or like, I don't know if it was Alan. I, don't, I honestly don't know how they chose. Um, who was going to be the traders. I mean, they chose really well. I mean, you know, the traders won. But I think that being a trader is the only way that you're going to have strategy from the beginning. And it gives yeah. you such a such a huge advantage in the game. Yeah. Sort of logically, I guess you've got an advantage because ah. as a faithful, you can either be voted out or you can be murdered. But as a traitor, mm -hmm. only one of those things can happen to you. So mm -hmm. you've inherently yeah, like got an advantage. Yes, and like you can share your like your strategy more. Yeah, yeah. So I obviously would have wanted to be a trader, but I was the faithful through and through. You know, I was I tried to own it and was like, all right, let's make this money. Yeah. So Amanda, <laughs> oh Christian is trying to call me right now. Hold on. <laughs> I don't want to decline it because then he's gonna be like, are you mad at me? <laughs> That's okay. It's okay. Okay, it's it's done. We're done. Oh, and now he's trying to FaceTime me. Okay. All right, we're good. Okay. All right. You sure okay well there if anybody's wondering if i'm friends with christian i am <laughs> so amanda i have yeah. been sent lots of questions from people what? online to ask you <laughs> i i'm going to start with the question that martin or uh, martin hart on facebook and about 20 other people asked me okay and it's the question you've probably asked a hundred times why did you leave the show oh so the best way that I can say this is COVID got me in and COVID got me out. I applied to the show because I was COVID positive and had nothing else to do. And I tested positive whenever I was in Scotland. And part of the rules is, you know, you can't endanger the other players. And me being COVID positive on set would be an endangerment. So I, I was removed from the show, unfortunately. And I was doing so well. I was killing it, Matthew. Did they? Were, did you have to do routine tests, or did you feel unwell? And and no, we were doing routine tests just because you know you want to keep everything safe, integrity of the show, and I thought that it was great that they were testing everyone every single day. But um, ultimately, you know, I tested positive, and the only issue that I was really feeling is a sore throat. But I thought that was just from like screaming and talking all day. You might not see it. Like a girl screaming, I was chatting all day long and I was like, oh, my throat's starting to hurt. But it was COVID. Yeah. Now, uh, Stephanie on Instagram and Louise Ryan on Facebook both asked the same question. They asked, who did you think were the traitors before your departure? Okay. So this is something that you don't really get to see. Um 
in my edit and it was changing every single day depending on people's behaviors but i will say that whenever i got up for the morning to film the sixth episode before they came to my door telling me that i was covid positive the four people i had on my list were shelby sari christian oh. and cody no they were the four people that i was really suspicious of i was really suspicious of shelby um, and it turns out she had just lied about being a kindergarten teacher, but I was picking up something was not right here. Yeah. And I think that's why I was really suspicious of her. I was suspicious of Sari because she had been murdered. So a lot of the more quiet people had been murdered and Ryan, who they couldn't use as a shield because everybody believed that he was a faithful had been murdered. And I was kind of like, okay, so if we're following this pattern, then people that haven't been accused of being traitors should really be who they're getting rid of. Nobody was talking about Suri. My name had been said. You don't see it in the edit. I mean, pretty much everyone's name had been said, but no one had ever said Suri. So it didn't make sense that she was still in the game. I was just very suspicious. And she didn't really talk that much unless she was agreeing with what you were saying. So I thought yeah. it was really suspicious. Christian was just, I mean, you, you watched the show. I mean, Christian was just overzealous <laughs> and very confident. And he's like that in person. But in the game, a lot of people were starting to catch on to that. And they were starting to get suspicious of him. And Cody was just an emotional wreck. And they ended up showing that in the edit. He was poor guy had bags underneath of his eyes. He was like, I, I'm never doing anything like this again. And it's like, why? Trader vibes. <laughs> so I want to do it again. Like I was already like, oh my gosh, I would do this show like, every single year and he was like i'm never doing this again and it's like okay yeah a faithful yeah. wouldn't say that but even then i didn't i didn't have, the numbers weren't on my side anyway so like i said you had to vote vote with who you know whoever yeah. they were voting out so at what point did you find out who the traitors were i mean did you watch it at the same time as everybody else and that's how you found out i knew who the traitors were officially um probably like within just like a week of filming just because like we all talk yeah you know and i was like not surprised not surprised like i was surprised about shelby i was like oh my gosh i could have sworn that it was her you know <laughs> um but everything else made sense and you know we we all knew that you know sari had had won long before it aired and just super happy for her she played an incredible game yeah and I have a question. It's not a direct question that someone sent me, but it's something I've seen various people debating. Mm. There's this weird like Mandela effect going on where people are convinced they heard Alan say something that I don't think he ever said. And you, you can clarify this. Did oh my gosh, I feel like it's going to be the same Mandela that I was just talking about in the group. I, oh my gosh, I was literally just talking in the group chat about a Mandela effect. Was it, was it that... Was it that Alan said there's at least three traders? Yes. Yeah. Did Alan like specify how many there were? So we are we're talking about that right now in our group chat because I'm like, guys, I swear that Alan said there's at least three to five traders. I swear. Okay. I swear he said it. And some people are saying that he never said it. So that's so funny that you mentioned that. Okay. I I get a guest on episode five of my podcast called John was sure he had heard Alan specifically say there were four traitors. And then someone else uh, saw online was adamant that Alan had specifically said there were three traitors. So people have these completely different memories of what happened. I have no memory of this at all. I didn't 
but I guess, you know, I wasn't there. You were there. I, I could have sworn, like, I would have put like my, my farm on the line and said that <laughs> told us that there were, you know, three, but no more than five. Like I, I would have bet like my entire farm on that. And, uh, yeah, we're, so I don't know what the truth is. I, we're still trying to navigate what the truth is because, you know, and people have really come after Andy and Quentin about the ending yeah. and, you know, that, you, you know, you guys don't know math. There's like memes about it on Twitter. So uh, the, the viewers are not the only ones experiencing this. The cast are also discussing it. Like my group chat right now is going off and that's what we're discussing. <laughs> but I think that's so funny. So to the viewers, like, I, I mean, they're as confused as we are. <laughs> So it's, a, it's an ongoing mystery. It is, but I I mean, like, I still would bet money that that we were told that, but okay. no, not really anyone's agreeing with me. I still feel like I'm playing the game. Uh, Stephanie from Instagram has another question. She asks, was Brandy's exit too early considering what great TV she could have been? Listen, I get, like, great TV. Like, people want to watch TV. Awesome. You know what? I was there for the money. I don't, I couldn't give a shit about <laughs> great TV. I cared about $250,000 in my bank account. So I don't care if it was Brandy, Kate, Reza, Christian, anybody going home before me was a positive. So, okay. I mean, Brandy, Brandy was a, you know, an ally though with me. Brandy liked me. I liked Brandy. So it would have been great if she stayed, but ultimately I didn't want anyone else taking that money. So I didn't care who left as long as it wasn't me. Yeah. You were in it for the game. I was. I, yes. And so many, I feel like a lot of people, <clears throat> celebrities, maybe, maybe <laughs> not all of them, you know, were in it for like screen time. I, I was not in it for screen time. I wanted that money, honey. <laughs> Caroline Bergeron on Facebook asked a couple of questions we've kind of touched on. She asks... Uh, how well do you think it worked with the mix of celebrity and new faces? And do you think the new faces were shown enough? I don't think that the new faces were were shown enough, unfortunately. Um, I wish that they would have introduced us um, and kind of given like a backstory. But I also understand that this is not that game. It was interesting seeing the, I call it the class divide between us and like I said, some people really weren't there for the money. Some people really needed the money, you know, for things going on in their lives. So it was interesting in that aspect. And I and I understand why it made good TV. I think in the future, they should just do an all-celebrity cast or an all-new-faces cast. But that's just my, that's just my humble, humble opinion. But I love that I got to meet, you know, Ryan Lochte and Sari, Stephanie. I'm best friends with Rachel now. Like we talked, I literally talked to her two hours for two hours today. And I was like, I got to go. Like, I'm going to do a podcast today. <laughs> and I love her and she's such a beautiful person. So I love that aspect of it. But in the future, like, I think that ce the celebrity voices are over, are overbearing the, the new, the new face voices, unfortunately. Yeah. I share your humble opinion. I, I think yeah. it should be either all celebrity or none at all i don't i don't really understand the mix what the point mm -hmm. of doing that was yeah uh, i think it's drawn viewers you know all those celebrities have like a million followers so i get that like that's yeah. their number yeah. Uh, yeah but like whenever you're having like a cash prize like that and you have someone like me who's like trying to you know pay for like fertility treatments and like and like this farm and you know, real life like issues. And then you have Kate Chastain, who's like literally throwing away money. Like, 
Yeah. I love Kate and I think she's really funny, but like, oh, that like hit me deep whenever I watched that. That was hard to watch. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I can imagine it's, it's yes, a frustrating. Some yeah, some American families don't even make $600 a week and there she is just throwing it out. I mean, yeah. great TV, but come on, Kate. Lizzie Lambert on Facebook asks, what did you think of the ending, the finale? What what, oh, what was your reaction? I I had tears in my eyes just because I know Andy and Quentin as people. They are beautiful people. I know their stories. You know, I know their families. I talk to their families. And I, I knew how how much they wanted it and how much they trusted Suri. So I feel like I was like experiencing all of their emotions, even though I wasn't there. But on the other hand, I was like, Suri played the game perfectly and she manipulated. She did exactly what she was supposed to do. And so I, I was sad that Annie and Quentin didn't get the money, but I was like, Suri, that is like mad respect. And she's a nurse. So I'm part of the nurse gang. Like I want a nurse to win. So <laughs> I was like really sad and like on the edge of my seat. And then I was like elated that Suri won because she's the greatest player to never win. And she finally got her win. Louise Ryan on Facebook asks, if you were able to go back in, having seen the other episodes after you left, would you have played the game any differently? Oh, 100%. And I had the mindset going into episode six just because of what had happened at the round table with Kyle the night before that I was going to speak to people individually and kind of like grill them. And that's why I had that list with like Shelby, Suri, Cody Christian, because those are the people that I hadn't really taken aside yet and like had the one-to-ones with. I feel like they're you can tell there's so much that you can tell about a person whenever you're talking to them one-on-one and I would have played it more boldly than I had been playing it. And I, and I, I was being more outspoken, like than you see on the edit, but I, I was going to try and like fuck shit up. I was like, I'm going to fuck shit up today. And then they're like, Oh, you've COVID. And I'm like, I guess I'm the one getting fucked today. So absolutely. I hope I get another chance, but if not, like it was just such a great experience. Well, that leads on to the next question, actually. So Joseph Usher93 on Instagram and my previous podcast guest, Andy, asked the same question. They asked, and I think I know the answer to this now from talking to you. They asked, would you do season two if you were asked? And have you been asked? So I have not been asked, but... If they ask me to do season two, your girl be gone. I'd be like, peace <laughs> out. I'm going back to Scotland. I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat all of the cheeses again. I'm gonna eat all of the hummus, the olives. Oh my gosh. I'm gonna go live life again. <laughs> I um posted on Instagram recently and tagged Alan and said, Alan, when are you hosting another murder mystery dinner? Like, I'm ready. Like, don't forget my answer. <laughs> I feel like I have so much unfinished business and I've been asked that before. Like, do you feel like you have unfinished business? I'm like, the whole show for me is unfinished business. Are you kidding? Yeah. Like, I feel like I was like robbed of the oper- of this huge opportunity and I 100% want to be vindicated and I, I want to get my revenge and I want to win. My hope is that something will come of it, but ultimately we'll see what happens. Yeah, fingers crossed. We, I'd love that for you as well. That would be so good. We're now on the last question from listeners, really. Uh, another question from Joseph Usher 93 and Anne Sutian on Facebook asked the same question. They asked, are you still in touch with the other players? Oh my gosh, yes. So we have our group chat. Literally Christian just texted me again. I talked to Christian. <laughs> 
on the phone probably at least once a week. I flew out to LA last week and um, hung out with Geraldine, Christian, and got to meet people from the circle, which was so cool. Um, Michael and Rachel and I talk every single day on the phone usually, and we're just like the best of friends. It it was an experience and it was a little bit traumatic too. And, you know, trauma response, it just brings people together. <laughs> <laughs> now, Amanda, before we finish, we yeah. still have our own banishment to conduct. We were playing the Tradar Traitor throughout this interview. So I have yeah. to confess, I did lie to you. Did you lie to me? I did lie to you. Okay. If oh my god. <laughs> I'm going to try and guess your lie, and then you can guess mine. I actually have no idea. <laughs> I've really been paying attention and focusing, and I still can't think of anything you said that I don't believe. So you're obviously a very good liar. Thank you. I'm going to say one thing. I don't even think this is your lie, but it's all I can think of. Mm -hmm. Did you make up that you had COVID when you first applied and you were at home and that's why you applied? No, I had COVID. <gasps> yeah, I, 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 knew, I knew. I just I detected nothing else out of sorts. No, okay. do you want to know my lie? Okay, tell me your lie. I don't live on a farm yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I just, I yeah, completely believed it. Yeah. Just... No, my farm is actually under construction. It's been on constru under construction for two years and it's not livable yet. So I don't live on a farm. I've seen pictures and videos. And so when you said that, I thought, oh, you must just be living there while it's under construction. Okay. That's just what I thought. I just try to make like a believable lie, you know? Yeah. But like, honestly, I've been trying to rack my brain. I'm like, what did he tell me that could have been a lie? Because the thing about your cats was before... Yeah. So like I believe you about your cats and you were you spent most of the time telling me asking me questions not telling me information. So the only thing that I can really think of is like you brought up a friend's name earlier and I'm like maybe he lied about the friend's name or nope. he lied about that they were involved in the question, you know? That's the only thing that I can think of. No, all of that is true. Oh, um God. shall I tell you? Yes. Okay. It was very early on. It started as the truth and then it veered into a lie. The, tr the truth is, I did see Alan coming at the Edinburgh International Festival in August doing cabaret. It is a complete lie that I asked him for a selfie and he said no. Oh my gosh, I totally believed you. <laughs> I was like, okay, I guess maybe he's having a bad day. Oh no, the, I, wow. Listen, well, next season two, you and me, traitor gang for life because yes. we would suck at speed fools, but honestly, like, <laughs> our life skills are so good. <laughs> we, we both, we fooled one another. We mm -hmm. we lied pretty well. That's, we're impressive. Now, I need to know, like, has anybody ever called you out on your lie? Were you able to call other people out on their lies? Was it? So far, actually, everyone's been a pretty good liar. Um, okay. I've fallen for everybody's lie. Uh, there was there was one one lie John uh, on episode five I think told a lie also about Alan. Uh, John pretended that he grew up and his parents had a caravan in the town where Alan was from, and that was a lie. So I I did catch that one out. Other than okay. that, I've been fooled every time, and I've I've been pretty good at getting away with the lies. I've been quite impressed with myself. 
Wow. So I've been doing You're well. a certified trader here. <laughs> Amanda, it's been great having you on The Trader. Thank you so much for talking to me and answering these questions. It's been a really great insight into the show, and it's been lovely to get to know you even better. Thank you so much. Did you have a nice time? Oh, my gosh. I had such a great time. Everybody, come on this podcast. It's wonderful. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Goodbye. Bye. Hello, Trader listeners. I hope you enjoyed my talk with Amanda. I was having so much fun speaking with her that I completely forgot to ask Amanda where we can find her online. So I'll do it on her behalf. You can find her on Instagram at underscore Amanda Stoner. She posts stories every day connected to the traitors and her castmates, as well as updates on her farm renovation, where she is not living, as we've now discovered. A reminder that I'll be talking to Christian from the traitors in just a couple of days, so let me know what you want me to ask him by sending me a message on Instagram at the Trader Podcast, or on Twitter at the Trader Pod, or you can email me at the Trader Podcast at gmail.com. I'll be back with the penultimate episode of this series of the podcast to talk about the penultimate episode of The Traitors US. Until then, stay faithful. Mm-hmm.